Hello, everyone, and welcome to American Pale Males. It's your nerdy beer tasting podcast presented without expertise or pretension. Or advertisements. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I'm Michael, and that voice you just heard was... It's me, Jeremy. Michael, how have you been? Do you have a beer brag for me? I do have a unusual beer brag for this podcast. Me too. I had Budweiser Copper Lager. I'm kind of jealous about this because <laughs> I've I've wanted to try this and the uh, is this the one with the bourbon staves in it or whatever? Yes. Okay. Because I've been wanting to try that in the red lager, but I'm not going to oh, buy it. There's a red it. one. Oh. I think it's one of those. Hey, it's an old recipe, and we're bringing it back. Oh, okay. Which is a load of crap. I mean, right? It's them generating demand where there was no demand before by shorting the supply. I'm sure there's like <laughs> warehouses of it just filled to the brim in every state. Anyway, tell me about the beer. Budweiser and Jim Beam are joining forces for a limited edition collaboration. The Budweiser Reserve Copper Lager is a rich lager aged on Jim Beam bourbon barrel staves with hints of vanilla and caramel rye, followed by a deliciously smooth finish. Um, How much of that was true? One-third, maybe. Okay. What parts were... Uh, what... I got zero whiskey. Jim Beam's whiskey, right? Or is, or is it bourbon? It's a bourbon, yes. It's a bourbon, okay. Yeah. Um, I did not get any... I mean, it must have been very subtle, because I did mm-hmm. not taste any of it. It basically tastes like Budweiser with a darker malt. For the amount of malt that's in Budweiser, uh-huh. it's not that much of a taste difference, just because there's not that much... I assume there's not that much barley malt in there to begin with compared to what we're used to drinking. There's probably more rice solids. Well, you see, Michael, they don't use corn syrup in their beer. They use rice syrup. Exactly. <laughs> Man, that is... I'm sure we've talked about it by now, but it's just the weirdest tilt to die on. Why? Who oh, cares? Oh, yeah. Who cares? And now they're being sued by Miller Coors. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because most Americans don't know the difference between corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup, so oh yeah, I don't know what the outcome of that will be. So, so do you know? Sorry to sidetrack. Do you know uh-huh. what the basis of the lawsuit is? No, I don't know the exact crux, okay. of, like the angle they're exactly getting at, false advertising or something like that, or yeah, I don't know. That, that's um, fine. I it was just one of the. It was a shot in the dark. Yeah, I didn't go too deeper into that, but good news for you, I guess, is you're not missing out on much here. It, it genuinely tastes like a Budweiser. Mm-hmm. With, I guess I'll give them the caramel rye, I guess. Maybe <laughs> that's the only flavor I can pick up. It's just just, and it's just a little twinge there. Um, so, so would you, would you say that it's like them trying to do like a Vienna? I think that's too generous. Okay. I mean, trying. Trying, is the, yeah. Is the operative word there. No. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's Headed in that direction, mm, it's just yeah. It just it was a and it's fine. It's not. It wasn't like bad tasting. It wasn't like uh, Ocalto with tequila oh. staves or anything <laughs> like that. It just was not that strongly flavored in anything. I'm sure if you really concentrated or really had a sensitive super tasting tongue, you might be able to pick up some of these things. But compared to <laughs> a craft beer that advertises those notes, it, I mean, it doesn't really have that relatively speaking so i'm assuming you've had a boiler maker in your day yes now when you had your boiler maker was it the shot of whiskey dropped in and then chugged or did you sip on it 
Oh, you know, I, I probably had it as a lunchbox. So that's not a Boilermaker then. No, I've, I've, I've had various bomb-type drinks, sure. but I don't think I've had a true Boilermaker, now that you say that. I mean, itchy Nissans aside, um, <laughs> right? my, my father, when I was younger, I remember he and my, my mom's father having what is known as a Danish, well, what they called a Danish beer. Mm-hmm. And this is not like uh, Carlsberg or anything like that. This was just them <laughs> dumping a shot of whiskey or a small amount of whiskey into their beer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've tried it. It's actually not bad. If I had to guess, I'd say my grandfather probably had Budweiser. I'll have to ask my father about this next time I talk to him. But grand, uh, mom's dad probably had Budweiser in the house or white label beer. Is that just a can that says beer on it? Yes. And, and it really is, generic? It, yes, it's not bogus at all. It looks like uh, like Wick or something <laughs> like that. But uh, uh, there is a delightful picture. I'm like a year old sitting on my father's lap while they're playing cards and they all have cans of beer sitting around on the uh, table. That is I'll, awesome. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll see if I can find that one for the wedding. That's a good picture. But um, Jeremy, do you have a beer brag? I do. So... Uh, I went to a taping of My Favorite Murder with my fiance last weekend. Mmm. Podcast. Yes. Uh, I would say that it was about 90-10 female to males there, which was weird. I'm not used to being at things that are female-dominated. Not a bad thing, of course. It's, sure. it's, it's just a different vibe as opposed to, you know, Dark Lord Day. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Excellent time. Go see me if you get a chance. They talked about the Velisca Axe murders. Which, do you, are you familiar with those, Michael, or is that or are you too far northeast? Oh, is that an Iowa thing? It is an Iowa thing. I've never heard of it, so uh, maybe I'm not in the right zone. Small town about 70 miles south of where I grew up had uh, pretty brutal axe murders there when Jeez. in like 1910, 19, 19 okay. I don't remember, long time ago, and it's considered one of the more infamous cold cases in American history. Um, I went to the house once when I was in high school. It's pretty freaky, and you can like, uh, as a field trip or just on your own. No, my friend Matt and I went down there because we were bored and we had a car. Okay, yeah, okay, but, uh, yeah, high school. But before we went there to that the podcast taping, we went to Fong's Pizza, and I think it was there. I had a a taster of uh, Original Boston twenty six point two brew. Have you heard of this? Original Boston? Is it a Sam Adams thing? or is it, it, it is a Sam Adams thing. Marathon Brewing, a part of the Boston Beer Company, launched 26.2 Brew, a new take on the oh. original Boston 26.2, which has been available for the last seven years at the Boston Marathon. The beer features a refreshing taste made with, okay, now get this, Himalayan sea salt and coriander. and okay. contains six grams of carbohydrates and 120 calories with a 4.0 ABV. It's It's weird. It's kind of like a golden ale mixed with a goza. Okay, yeah, with that salt in there. The, yeah. the, it, the salt is weird. Like they had, there was a sales rep there giving us the spiel about, you know, oh, it's brewed for the marathon and it it helps hydrate you. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right. And she launched into some speech about electrolytes, but all I was really thinking of is cool. Now I have a beer brag. Yeah. <laughs> It's not good. It has, you know, like when you have when you have that Gatorade mouthfeel. Oh yeah. It's, it's got like that semi-salty. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brondo okay. feel to it. Yeah. 
It's it's got that, and it's a pretty bland yellow beer. It's allegedly a golden ale, but eh, I think it's just beer that they put crap in with it. I wonder if they're going to mass market that. Or... They, oh, they are, Michael, because I've already seen it at my local grocery stores. Oh, I'll have to keep my eye out, see if it comes in this region. I'm pretty sure they sell it in Tallboys, and I would recommend you trying that, at the very least, because it is a unique beer that I can't say that I've had before anything right. like it. That is curious. Okay, here, here's some, uh, some flavor text from... Uh, a Boston beer rep. Obviously, training for a marathon is a lot of work. You put in a lot of hours, you're making sacrifices, you're getting up early, you're going outside when, especially in Boston, it can be freezing and really putting in the long hours. I'm really hoping that people can see this as a beer that is a thirst-quenching reward for that awesome feeling of crossing the finish line and knowing that this is the time to celebrate all of the hard work that's been put in. Upon reading this, there is someone that we really should have try this. <laughs> yes. A marathon runner, yeah. Having having run ten marathons and won at least two. But yeah, so uh Steve, you know what to do. You know, I think, you know, Michelob Ultra is now like marketing itself as like the active fitness beer brand. I wonder if they're trying to kind of play on that ang- I mean they are, obviously, but now that they saw that market segment take off with Michelob Ultra sales being one of the only macros that's increasing in volume um i wonder if they're trying to hone in on that a little bit here with this one seems really weird ingredients though to hit a wide segment so i don't really i guess i don't pay attention much to macro advertising outside Mm -hmm. of you know like the frogs wait (laughs) never mind they haven't done that in like 25 (laughs) years right (laughs) but uh I, I guess I don't really pay attention. Are they really marketing Michelob Ultra as like the active lifestyle beer? Yeah. Well, last time I watched TV, <laughs> is is this just basically in like the it's not gonna make you as fat as quick? No, because they had like a commercial of with like it was Chris Pratt and he was like jogging and he was singing a song with other joggers and people in a gym, I think, and mm-hmm. then he was drinking a Michelob Ultra. I don't think I trust him anymore. I don't think I do either. That's, I guess, aside the point. But well, I mean, it's reasons beyond the beer. But yeah, yes, yes, I, yeah, yeah. But but in any case, so could be that is the reason because that Michelob Ultra is I don't want to say taking off, but it's increasing in volume sales. Sure. Volume, so interesting, but uh, definitely sounds curious. Jeremy, Michael, I <laughs> I have a quiz about hands. Hands, like the it, things that we pick up beer with? Yes. Okay. It's on WebMD. Are we really that bereft of material? <laughs> yes. But this ties in with the the thing we're doing. Oh, God, uh, you're right. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, okay, anyway. Yeah, okay, as you were. Okay. Which grows faster, your fingernails or your toenails? I guess it's fingernails. That's what I would say, too. That is correct. Excellent. 3.47 millimeters per month compared to 1.62 millimeters per month. Which hand does more work when typing? Right hand, left hand, equal. Right hand because of the enter. What about like E? Right hand because of the enter. You don't use enter that much. You use spacebar more. That's a good point. So spacebar is either or. Yes. There's but look at that left side. You got there's E A R S. It's got all the uh, Wheel of Fortune letters. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Should we say left? Sure. Left hand wink. That is correct. Did you look at this, Michael, beforehand? I did not. 
that's why I hope the questions are good. Um, <laughs> left hand does 56%. Which finger are you most likely to break? Thumb, index finger, pinky. Jeremy, you've broken lots of bones. What do you say? Pinky. That's what I'd say, too. Let's see. It's a, it's a weak bone. It's tiny. Okay, here we go. Pinky is yes. correct. One third of all hand fractures. Because it's on the end, and it's about the width of a pencil. Yeah. How many muscles are in each finger? Two, five, none. <laughs> I'm going to say, I mean, the none is one of those. It's five, right? Because look at, like, well. Is it? <laughs> yes, I'm going, I'm going five. Yeah, because your finger actually goes all the way down to, like, your wrist. Well, that's, that's, Technically. that's, are we going, let's see, uh, carpals or, or metacarpals? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's metacarpals. Metacarpals are the ones that are in your hand. Carpals are the ones that are out. You must have bo- uh, muscles on your front and the back. Though, right? Do, no, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to. So you said five, right? I did, but I feel like it might be two. Two? All right, let's try two. Oh, none? None. Is it all tendon? Yeah. Uh, they're moved by muscles in your wrist, palm, and forearm that are attached to tendons. Freaky. Freaky. Wow. Your fingernails continue to grow after you die. True. I heard that was false because it's actually just like your skin receding and oh. you decaying makes them look like they're growing. Yeah, you're probably right. I've, saw, like, I've seen that say true, but then I saw a debunk of it. But Fine. You have to snopes everything, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dehydration causes the corpse skin to shrink and making the nails look longer. Uh, only humans have opposable thumbs. Uh, chimp. Chimps, yeah. Yeah, false. Members of the great ape family. Yeah. Most apes and monkeys. Yes. Opossums. Opossums have opposable thumbs? Yeah, that's what this That's says. terrifying. Don't raccoons that's, do too? I don't know, man, but that's terrifying. Have you ever <laughs> tangled with an opossum? We had one walk through our backyard like last fall. It was really strange. I've never been close to one, though. So when I was younger, we uh, they're terrifying, man. Like we, so we have like a little side door to the house, my parents' house back home, mm-hmm. and there's a little porch under, and we would uh, gr- put the grill on there, and r- about three foot away from the the bottom stair of that little porch, you know, it's two three steps up. There used to be an evergreen tree, some sort of cone bearing tree. Oh, yeah. And I remember one time we had gotten home late from something, and we're like, "Ah, screw it, let's just make hamburgers on the grill." And my mom was out there putting hamburgers on the grill, and then she looked up and saw an opossum staring back at her from, like, the middle of the tree. Mm. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure my dad had to kill that thing. Was, she she was she was not going to let that thing live because she was terrified. <laughs> they look weird. They're freaky-looking, dude. I do not like opossums at all. What causes a difference in length between your ring and index fingers? Protein, testosterone... Genetics. Probably genetics. Yeah. It, I think, th- eh. isn't that like an urban legend about the testosterone? Yeah, probably. I'll say genetics. We like genetics on the show. Because women don't have a whole lot of uh, testosterone. They have some, obviously, but right. not enough to account for, you know, that. a finger. At okay. least I don't think so, anyways. Oh, the correct answer is testosterone. God. Most men have longer ring fingers. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it is longer weird ah i i've never noticed that always because when you look at it from the palm side it looks like the index finger is longer 
But then when you look at it from the top side, they look roughly, yeah. roughly even and or ring longer. Yeah. Does cracking your knuckles cause arthritis? No, it doesn't. Fal- no. False. Yeah. No. Yes, that is correct. It is does not. It's a myth. I remember reading about an N of 1 study where some doctor cracked the knuckles on one of his hands for, I don't know, like 20 years or something and not the other. And there was no difference, I think. Uh, what's the chance that two right-handed parents will have a left-handed child? Oh, this is good for you, Jeremy. 5%, 10%, 25%. Whatever the standard is in a regular population. I don't believe left-handedness is heritable. Yeah. So there's about 10% probably then. Probably. That's my guess. That is correct. Because otherwise you could just breed that out. And like I don't think anyone would believe that you could just breed out left-handedness. You know what I mean? Uh, This says, scientists think hand preference stems from genetics, hormones, and development. Still, two left-handed parents are the most likely combo to have a left-handed child with odds of 30 to 40%. So a little nature and a little nurture there, I guess. Interesting. I did not know that. Me neither. Fingernails have no feeling. True or false? True, because I believe it's dead dead cells, right? So it's the tissue underneath that. Yeah. It's painful Cause, when cause something's it's keratin. It's it's the same thing as like, it's why we're not screaming. It's like hair. Yeah, I was gonna say it's why like we don't haircut. scream every time we get a haircut. <laughs> All right, I'll say true. That is correct. I just got a haircut, and I w- I feel fine. <laughs> uh, we got eight out of ten. That's pretty good. That's, that's a, not too bad. That's like a B minus, a B. Yeah, I'll take it. But Michael, there's a reason why we did all this hand talk. That's right. We're launching a new series of episodes. It's the springtime sampler series. <laughs> you know, we just spent a whole series trying to summon spring, praying to Odin and Lepnir for spring to start, and it has started. It has finally. Um, Thank and freaking God. Now, Jeremy and I have both procured a sampler pack of one brewery, and the next four episodes will be going through that sampler pack and finding the best beer in that pack. And today, well, I guess for the next four weeks, we'll be sampling beers from Left Hand Brewing Company from Longmount, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeremy, I think it was last week or a few weeks ago that you mentioned you chose this one for a reason. <laughs> it was, what is that reason? Uh, are you familiar with the left-hand path, Michael? Oh, yeah. The historian Dave Evans studied self-professed followers of the left-hand path of esoteric magic in the early 21st century, making several observations about their practices. They often reject societal convention and the status quo, which some suggest is a search for spiritual freedom. As part of this, LHP followers embrace magical techniques that would traditionally be seen as taboo. As Mog Morgan wrote, quote, the breaking of taboos make magic more potent and can lead to reintegration and liberation. For example, the eating of meat in a vegetarian community. They often re- question religious or moral dogma, instead adhering to forms of personal anarchism. And we don't need to read the rest of that because this is a family show. <laughs> uh... So it's like occultism. Yes. And that's what we did to summon spring. Precisely. Ah. 
I like it. Tying uh-huh. everything together. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's... I was trying to find the etymology of left hand. I wonder if it ties into that or if it's just the guy's left-handed. I think it's just the left hand. Or if they like Northern Ireland because there's a big red hand on their flag too. Really? Yeah. The hand of Ulster. Weird. There's also a gnarly album called Left Hand Path by Entombed. <laughs> One of the classics of death metal. Released June 4th, 1990 on Earache Records. Earache Records? <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a classics fan. I mean, they're named it for a reason. <laughs> um, so we went through the Brewers Association Top 50 uh, last week, I think it was. And Left Hand comes right in at number 50. So... Cool. Uh, I didn't we, even. I didn't even yeah, think of that. Yeah. I just. I wanted to look that up, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're in there. They made the cut. So, Jeremy, do you want to tell the people at home what we'll be pulling from the sampler pack first? Michael, uh, we are going to go with a pale ale called Colorful Colorado. Say that ten times fast. Welcome to Colorful Colorado, a bold, citrusy pale ale brewed with Rocky Mountain water for all of your Centennial State adventures. This is a pale ale, pale golden color, medium light body, ABV of 5.6%. I have 42 IBUs. The malts are pale two-row and C40, which is interesting. And Cascade and uh, here we go. Equinot. 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 That's right. We, we, we did a whole thing on this. Yes. Ingredients. Rocky Mountain water, malted barley, hops, yeast, brewed on the banks of the mighty St. Vrain. That's all in the can. And, uh... A nice little um, scenic picture on the can of a big mountain, some trees. It, it has the font that one would associate oh, yeah. with those. Welcome to Colorado, and it has all those cool postcardy looking stuff on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. If, yes. If you like, like the the uh, the cover of that one Springsteen album. <laughs> Welcome. Greetings what? from Asbury Park. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it looks like that one. The the font, anyways. Should we open it? Yeah, sure. Let me dig into the old cooler here. The uh, tab on the can, these are all cans, by the way, um, uh, has a nice little uh, black and has a little left hand on it. Uh, Michael, while we're pouring, I would just like to say that while, I don't know, this will be out in time. I'm going to Dark Lord Day again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I buddy. saw that. High on fire, nuclear assault, power trip. I'm seeing power trip twice in like three weeks' time. <laughs> this is going to rule. I'm looking forward to hearing your experience and your beer brags from that. I think this time around... And we can always cut this out if need be. But I think this time around, I might try and get some man-on-the-street uh, reporting on mm. this. Because it's extremely difficult to remember what you have at those <laughs> things. Uh, not just because of the amount of what you have, but just because like I feel like it's just stouts on stouts on stouts. And unless it's something weird like the Vietnamese coffee porter that I had oh, last yeah. time, it's it's extremely difficult to remember... Gets lost in the mix, kind of. Everything gets lost. So I'm going to at least try to keep a running memo on my phone, if not uh, vocal stuff. Good. We'll go from there. But uh, that is that is then. This is now. Uh, Michael, what kind of glass are you using? Just a little shaker. I'm using the American Pale Males branded uh, shaped pint glass. That's a good one for this one. It is. It's all nice and black banded, too, now, because it's all cold. Uh, this is a pale golden yellow. Yeah. The smell? It's fruity. Yeah. Hoppy, fruity-dominated hops. Should we go ahead, Jeremy? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. That's a solid pale ale, Michael. Pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of a lighter body. It's it's not as uh, 
I mean, maybe this is the fact that it's a pale ale as opposed to an India pale ale. Mm-hmm. Wink. Wink. <laughs> but uh, I feel like this one is, it's riding that crest between, you know, like a lighter sessionable pale ale and yes. like an IPA. It's yes. not too far in either direction. It's just right down the middle. And uh, I'm digging that right now. Yes, uh, it's kind of refreshing. It's almost mm-hmm. um, almost going into like Lawnmower beer territory. Um <laughs> definitely close it's very refreshing mm-hmm. it's, it just has a nice light body it goes down real easy um a little bit of bitterness in the aftertaste but nothing N- not a, not a ton just yeah, the right not, amount yeah exactly not a spray paint effect Mm-mm. but um not like on some of the session ipas it's a little too light of a body and it's i don't know i feel sometimes there's not enough to support the hops in some of those session pale ales or ipas True. or whatever but this one it still has a nice solid maltiness to it. So, so question. I I feel like I had uh, for a beer I'll beer brag in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like some of these uh, IPAs that are lighter or more sessionable. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like they kind of hide behind the fizz a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they, you know what I mean. It's it's you just because you are uh, going for a lighter beer does not mean that you have to give up maltiness or anything like that. I mean, they make sessionable Russian Imperial Stouts. Yeah. All right. It's it's not easy, but they do it. <laughs> so I don't feel like you have to skimp on anything to make something lighter. And I don't feel that this one does, even though at 5.6, this is not technically a light-ish beer. Right. This is definitely lawnmower-y, though. Mm-hmm. Like, 5.6 is on the lighter ABV side. Well, for a for craft ale. beer. For yeah. craft, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and as the nose suggested, the hop profile veers more towards the fruit quadrant. Is it a bold citrusy pale ale? Yeah, it delivers on that. Kind of a orangey, uh-huh. tangerine a little bit. It reminds me of uh, those little oranges. Cuties. Oh, the clementines? Yes. Yeah. I had some of those today. It's good stuff. Those are good. But yeah, I don't know if there's too much more to say about it. Like it's pretty straightforward what so do you feel like it's almost a touch too sweet on the malty side mm-hmm. mm. I, I see what you're saying there yeah it's it's not like overwhelming or anything Mm-mm. but if you had to nitpick it if i if i had to nitpick i'd say that it might be a little touch on the sweet side mm-hmm. um that said i am getting like different little pieces of fruit out of it each time i go mm-hmm. in for a drink so it's not just like orange or, or you know lemon or mango or whatever right. there's some depth there i guess to a, evolution speaking yeah yeah evolution yeah there you go i don't know should we rate it yeah let's go for it michael uh you bought this beer you go first <laughs> um hmm. like so it's pretty solid but it's a notch above that but it, i don't think it's like remarkable enough it's like not blowing my socks off or anything it's not raising an eyebrow right or just like yeah. You pick it up, you hold it, you look at it, and you're like, that's a good beer. Yeah. Uh, so 3.75. That's exactly what I was going to give it, Michael. Um, it's I, I don't remember if we ever figured out what causes the sort of buttery taste that some IPAs get. Mm-hmm. But uh, Such a Much by Kelowna, I believe, is the, the granddaddy of that taste. This one is starting to lean in on that, and I feel it might have something to do with the sweetness on it. Yeah, there's like a... It's like the, in the aftertaste, anyway, I think I'm... Just a touch. Yeah. So, well, there you go. The first of the series. We'll see how it ranks 
amongst the other beers, what are they? You'll just have to tune in and find out. Or look it up. Or <laughs> yeah, or buy the 12-pack yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. I think another good thing to notice is whether or not you would have the remaining two in the 12-pack. Yes. And I would definitely. I think I already oh, yeah. did. I think I already did have one. <laughs> I actually put another one in the fridge for later. No, it's it's solid, mm-hmm. and uh, I would definitely go for it again. Agreed. Well, that's another one down the gullet. It is. Uh, you can check us out in a variety of places. APM Pod everywhere. On Twitter, Facebook, at gmail.com. Also on Untapped, where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with all of our ratings. Hi, Thank Mike. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, hi. Rate, review, subscribe. And, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.